0: Hey guys, this is Fiorella Nira. Welcome to the Planner and Training Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by plannerandtraining.com where you can find tools to start growing your business today. Now, let's get on with the episode. Hi, Terrica. How are you doing today? I am great. How are you? I'm great. I'm super excited to have you and to get to talk to you again. I, oh. you know, I just was head over heels at all of your talks at the Wedding MBA. And Thank so I was you. like, I have to talk to this lady <laughs> and talk to her, but all to myself. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm super excited to get to chat with you today. And we're going to be talking about client expectations and how to set them and um, really getting down to the point and how to not have issues and um, with clients who think we're supposed to be doing something or expect something of us that we actually don't do. Absolutely. But first, I want you to introduce yourself to my listeners. So tell me a little bit about yourself, where you're located and what you do
1: i am located in the golden isles of georgia not too many people know that there are about four small islands off of the coast of georgia and um i live on i guess what you could call the mainland but we produce a majority of our events over on the island so it's a really nice um southern town people can get away a majority of our clients are destination clients we may work with just one local client a year so it's, we've had to come up with some really unique ways to service our clients and to work with them. So I'm, I'm very proud of how we have developed our destination wedding planning process. I say, I like to bring metropolitan charm. I'm sorry, metropolitan style to Southern charm. I'm not originally from, i from Georgia, I'm from Baltimore. So it was, kind of a culture shock when we moved down here. And I've been wedding planning for about 14 years now. So it's been quite some time, but I have learned, of course, through trial and error and through a few mentors and several educational sessions about working with clients. And I have found that for us working with, um, Destination clients, you get a whole lot of expectations that, in all honesty, Fiorella may not even be realistic. Yeah. So I'm super excited um, to talk to you about it. Uh, I'm not too sure what else to say. I, I, I've been That's married great. for almost 20 <laughs> years, I've got four kids, two cats, two dogs, um, I'm a wedding planner, speaker, yep. coach, mob boss, I guess pretty much anything I, I've boss. done it and will do it.
0: Yeah. Let me, um, because you're a mom, right? Yeah. And um, you kind of have to juggle a lot of things. Yeah. Especially being yeah. a planner and being a mom because a lot of things happen in the weekends, both business and family.
1: How, I am so glad you brought that up. <laughs> how do
0: you, how, okay, little thing, because we're planners, um, I need to know this because I'm looking to have kids in the future and I need mm-hmm. to plan things out. So yeah. I always ask when I find moms that were that are event planners and have their business I'm like how do you handle it all?
1: Well, you know people a lot of people here didn't understand why I put office hours um on my business because they felt like oh well you know you should be servicing your client if they email you, you know, at any time you should pop up and I think again that's an unrealistic expectation. And so I've always had office hours. I use a phone system that cuts on at nine a m and it cuts off at six p m so the last chance that a client has to speak to me by phone where they can dial in and reach me is exactly five fifty nine fifty nine One of my wow. assistants i have uh four other assistants, and one of them she was pregnant at the time, and before she had her baby she um She was very liberal with her clients. They could text her. They could call her. She would do consults at 7 and 8 o'clock at night. And she did not understand why I had put the parameters for myself there until she had her baby. And I think it's very important because, you know, clients expect us to be there at all hours of the day. Like whenever an idea pops up into their head, they want to email their planner about it. They want to ask their planner about it. But as you said, I do have children. I have four kids and never at any time was I able to directly contact my OBGYN at 11 o'clock at night to discuss nursery colors or that's to true. talk about what I'm going to put on my registry. I understood that my doctor had hours and my doc- I was not my doctor's only patient. I think that's something that you can lovingly communicate with your clients that while this is personal for them, this is a business for us. So yes, my phone turns off at six. I don't take any consults after six unless I absolutely have to. If I have a client that I know I am not going to see for a year and that's the only time they can meet with me, of course, I'll make an exception. But I try not to make too many exceptions because like you said, um, my when my office closes at six, my kids are home. My kids get home anywhere between two o'clock and four o'clock. So between that time, I'm still technically on. Mm -hmm. And then my kids are off, I'm gone, and I'm working an event or I'm speaking at a conference. So it, it was really important for me to put those parameters in place so that even if I do decide to work on a style guide or if I decide to work on a timeline after hours, of course, that that's my prerogative, but I am not beholden to client calls and client emails and replies at all hours of the day.
0: That's amazing. I think that's a great way to start the podcast and our topic. um, Because I I mean, being a mom is not something that's out of the ordinary. And it's one of probably the hardest things to do. And then entrepreneurship is one of the hardest things to do. And being in the wedding industry is one of the hardest things to do. Absolutely. So you know, I mean, you have to know how to handle all of this.
1: All of it. And every year USA Today puts out that, um what is it, the 10 most stressful jobs. Yes. And every year we're either number one or number two. It is seriously no joke. And then when you add on you compound, you know, your family life, your finances and everything else. It's a lot. So I think that, you know, they say good fences make good neighbors. I think good boundaries make good client pro relationships, too, because a lot of clients don't understand that their planners, their DJs, their photographers, etc., that they have a life and that, you know, because this is such a monumental event for them and the scope of their own lives they feel like everybody else has that same kind of attachment to it. And not saying that we don't, of course not. We all love what we do. We all want to make sure that we we put forth the best effort, but it's not all that I do, if that makes sense. I can remember being pregnant. I've had uh, three children in the course of my career. I have four. My daughter was born before I started. But I can remember being pregnant and one mom coming up to me and saying, whatever you do, don't have that baby until she walks down the aisle. And it was kind of like said (laughs) in a joking way, but she seriously wasn't joking. And I just laughed and I said, don't worry, I'll hold it. If it comes to that, I'll hold it. I'll get her down the aisle. (laughs) But it's like, you know, people, they don't really see you as people. Sometimes Sometimes. they see you as a means to an end, especially when they do pay those big ticket items for planning or photography or catering you know, everything is kind of wrapped up in your obligation to your client. And I think the best thing that you can possibly do is to set those parameters at the very beginning. So that way there, you know, there is no deviation or miscommunication about anything. I make sure I put my office hours and my email signature. It's in the footer of my website. It's on our contact form. It's in their contract. It's everywhere. So they're constantly, it's even in their virtual office. So they're constantly reminded about, when they can call when they can set up an appointment yeah and I think that that's very important I just don't leave them in the dark and say oh no I'm not taking your call right now
0: right and I think like I said I think this is a great place to start because one of the client expectations I want to talk about is setting working hours and you kind of touched touched on it but when you set working hours you, we know that we have office hours, but then there are office hours that we're actually working on the field, right? So, mm-hmm, for example, absolutely. if we have a Saturday wedding, we know that on Friday we might be prepping for that wedding and absolutely. also running out of the office to go run rehearsal ceremony. So, absolutely. how do you set that and where do you set those expectations for the client?
1: You know, I think it's all about layering, to be completely honest with you. And anyone that's listening, you guys can Google our website and get our phone number and you can dial. Hopefully you'll get somebody. But if you don't, you can listen to our outgoing message. It's said in a very um, jovial way, but we tell clients, oh, we're sorry that we missed you. We're probably stilettos deep in linens and champagne or something like that. It's something to let them know that, you know, we're not ignoring your call. We could be possibly at an event. We could be with someone else, but we'll get back in touch with you very soon. When we work with clients, we also tell them when um, we do their rehearsal on that Friday that a majority of the time, you know, we may be out of the office towards the end of the day. And they say, oh, that's fine. So Fridays don't work. When couples come to our area for their planning visits, we try to really Impress upon them the importance of coming during the week because when you try to see me on a Friday, more likely than not, I'm at a rehearsal or I'm at a rehearsal dinner. And Saturday, it's pretty much a no go. You know, depending on the scope of my setup, I could be there at 9 a.m. until. 1 o'clock a.m. I'm not getting home until then. And I, there's absolutely no way I'm going out on Sunday to meet, any, meet anybody because, you know, we have what the industry calls the wedding hangover. I'm pretty much dead to the world on Sunday. <laughs> so <laughs> I do let them know that. And I, I, I tell them, you know, we want to give you the proper amount of attention that your event and your vision needs. So here are the times when we're available. And just like we wouldn't want to take away from you on your wedding day, we ask that we can be completely focused and present for our couple this weekend. And people definitely understand it. But we also ask our couples too, that we have booked and we're doing their rehearsal to make sure that they know that they only have about 30 or 45 minutes. So it's important to show up on time. It's important to have all the necessary parties there so it's not being dragged out by a bunch of reunions or anything like that. We say it very nicely, but we tell them, you know, get that out of the way before the rehearsal or ask any non-participating parties to just remain behind at the rehearsal dinner so that we can get that um, done and out of the way. A rehearsal really should not take long at all. The reason why it does take long a majority of the time is because clients are late or again, it's a reunion
0: at the rehearsal.
1: And when I know you, you do design as well, don't you? Yes, I do. So, you know, when you're in charge of the design, you're pretty much prepping that entire week. Yes. (laughs) Starting on Wednesday. Exactly. And Friday is kind of like your go-to day to say, I need to make sure I have everything done, everything in place, everything loaded up. So you kind of pull yourself away to do the rehearsal, especially if you are the face of that particular account or um, the lead for that account, you have to be there. And then you have to go back and oversee the remaining of the setup. So that's something that we, we're definitely very adamant about, um, being respectful of everybody's time. My clients would not accept it if I was late to their rehearsal. I don't think it's fair that I should accept that they're late to the rehearsal, especially when I'm working so hard to pull off an amazing day for them. And I never ever take, oh, it's my special day or it's my wedding as an excuse for anything from anybody.
0: So this is great. We have the parameters, we have the hours where so we're we're layering it. Where is the first time that you make the parameters um make them aware of those parameters? Is it on your website the yeah, office, so
1: pricing guide absolutely so we we have a service magazine that we send out to potential clients when they ask for more information, and it kind of touches on it. When they come back to us and they say they want more information or they want a proposal, it's layered again in the proposal. And then it's layered again in the contract. And then when they book, they receive a how to work with us welcome guide. And that pretty much details everything that we've been layering since they have inquired with us. So again, I think it's super important to layer it all and you don't have to shove it all down their throats you know, once they hit submit on your contact form. But I do think it's important for you to layer it so that they can say, Oh yeah, that's right. That's how it's gonna be. And they have a clear understanding as to how their planning process goes because a majority of our clients haven't done this before. The um the most experience they've had perhaps is as a groomsman or a bridesmaid. So they've seen how things have been done, but they're not really sure about the inner workings of wedding planning and A majority of the time they're not sure of how to work with a wedding planner. So they want those parameters and they want those guides. And I think that if you aren't providing those guides or at least setting aside a place for your clients to reference this, you're setting yourself up for disaster. Um, and so many words, because then you kind of hand over the reins of planning to your client. And then it's really hard to pull those reins back and get everything back on the same track or where you need it to be to flow with your process. So the earlier you do it, the better start layering it in your welcome collateral, then Go into it a little bit deeper in your proposal if you need to, and make sure all of that is reiterated in the contract, because that's definitely something that they're going to read. You know, with your welcome collateral and sometimes even your proposal, depending on how it's set up, they may skip over and glance over a few things, but they're definitely going to read. The, proposal, um, the contract and they're definitely going to read your welcome guide because right after your client books, they're going to be super excited to get started. They're going to be all over the place and your welcome guide is going to create structure not only for what the next steps will be in the planning process, but how to work with you and your team as well.
0: But isn't it funny by, by just giving them that basic information, way ahead of time, right from the get-go, the change it makes in the clientele.
1: Absolutely. In their behavior
0: and maybe the clientele itself.
1: I totally agree. I totally agree because you do have some clients who they're used to having things at their fingertips or they expect because they have paid, and I'm using air quotes here, so much money for a product or service that you know it should be at their back and call and that's not necessarily so you know it's like that commercial that's not how any of this works yeah. you know <laughs> that's not how it works at all and i think it's it's super important to lay those parameters down and like you said even prior to booking because That may even help you pre-qualify some clients. That may even help you kind of whittle out the people that you don't want to work with. You can kind of tell when you have a needy client or a client that has these unrealistic expectations. And it's, it's very easy to say, you know, I think that there may be another planner that would be a better match for you. Here are some other names. I would much rather lose out on one client than lose out on 10 because the one client that I was adamant about having has gone off and written a horrible review about me all over the place and it causes me money down the line.
0: Yeah, have you have do you have any any stories to tell from or differences from previous to now how before you set those hourly parameters to now?
1: Um Honestly, it's been so long, I can't really, (laughs) I can't even really remember because one thing that we did shift to, and this was over four years ago, so it could possibly even be maybe six years ago, we switched to kind of like a, I've, I've always used a virtual office of sorts. When I first started, again, 14 years ago, there wasn't a base camp or an aisle planner or planning pod or Trello or anything like that. So I was literally, I had a secret part of my website that I coded that I would give each client a password and they would be able to see the work that I did on their wedding. So in essence, that was their uh, virtual office, I guess you could say. Then Google came out with their suites and they had something called Google Sites And i started Mm -hmm. incorporating that so i always found again for me being a destination wedding planner that it was very easy for me to assuage my clients anxieties and stresses if i gave them an opportunity to see what was going on and what was being done or where we needed to go i think that's uh, what a lot of the problems are with wedding planning and uh client expectations clients just don't know and they're super anxious and they feel like oh, you should be doing this, or my sister's wedding planner did this, or the photographer said you need to do this. So this is another reason why I think it's very important for wedding planners to have a clear process of how they're going to work with their clients and having a workflow before they accept a check from any client, because if you don't, again, you run the risk of letting your client um, run the process for you. But back to, I digress, back to my story. So (laughs) (laughs) when we started using, we used Basecamp and then we moved to planning pod. And then we tried aisle planner. When we have all of those things, we ask for our clients to keep their communications within the um, virtual office. Because emails get lost, and there have been several times when I have not been able to do a wet end, count three um, in my career, and it's been to a pregnancy, a death, and an illness.
0: Mm-hmm. where I was
1: not able to do an event and rather than forward literally 50 to 60 emails to my client I mean to my team all they have to do is log in and they can see everything that I've done they can see the you know the communications and the notes so it's really like training a client on how to work with you if they email you then we respond back in the virtual office that's how they get it if they call us after hours they get the um, voicemail immediately we call them back the next day we do have a 24-hour policy for us to return phone calls and communications so we do definitely try to respond back as soon as possible but like you said a majority of the time we could be in the field doing walkthroughs or yeah. mock-ups or something so i am not always going to be able to speak with you immediately and i always use that um OB-GYN reference because you know there were several times when i had a question for my doctor but she's in a delivery room with another mom it wasn't my turn you just have to wait. You have to employ some patience. But I knew that my doctor cared about me. I knew that my pregnancy was important to my doctor. And that was really a learning um, moment for me to communicate this to my clients. Yes, I'm with another client, but your wedding is important to me. I'll get back to you as soon as I can. I think if you can communicate that along with your structure, then you'll be you'll be great.
0: They really just need overcommunication. Do you find mm-hmm. that?
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. The hard part about it is that you're just not even communicating with one person.
0: Yes. You know, you
1: may have a bride and a groom, a bride and a bride, a groom and a groom, and then you have their parents. And then if they open up the scope to their bridal party, that's something different. It can be overload a lot. And that's only for one wedding. And then if you've got, you know, 10 weddings or 15 weddings on the books that you're working on right now, that's a lot of people that you have to communicate with. So, Definitely get your process in order as soon as possible.
0: Yes. I, so now that we're talking almost services, okay? Yep. How How do you, have you ever had an issue with, you know, when you were just talking about your clients saying, oh, my sister's wedding planner, the, this, you should be doing that too. How right. do we <laughs> wrangle them in and say
1: you know, I had this happen. We had most recently in the past two years, we have had a sister get married. Now this year, well, tw- it's 2019. Now last year we did a set of twins weddings. One was in April. The other one was in November. The year before we did not do the older sister's wedding. We did the younger sister's wedding okay. and we were constantly being told about what the other wedding planner did. How the other wedding planner said this, and how she was able to make this happen, and my first thought was, well, why didn't you guys hire her for this <laughs> wedding? So clearly something was amiss. It wasn't completely, you know, sunshine and roses there. Whenever that happened, we would always ref- reference them back to the services that they received with us, and we would reference them back to their welcome guide and say, okay, well. This is how we do our design. We find that it works perfectly, not only for our clients, but also for our planning process and for your vendors as well. I'm not sure what the other wedding planner did. I'm sure it was amazing because from the looks of the pictures, everything was absolutely gorgeous. But I can assure you, your wedding will be equally gorgeous with the process that we've planned. It's pretty much a proven strategy of how we lay out everything. And then they kind of calm down you can't really compare two wedding planners because everybody has their own style. Everybody learns differently. Everybody plans differently. Everybody handles logistics differently. So no two wedding planners are going to be exactly the same. If you are very confident and you're very proud of your workflow and your process, then stick to it. Don't cave. Because once you cave, that is just a snowball that goes downhill immediately.
0: Here's what happens too when you cave. When you have a workflow that works for you and everybody in your team is aware of this workflow and you cave for mm-hmm. one person,
1: yep,
0: you risk one missing that cave that whatever change you made on your workflow, you risk your team missing that and mm-hmm. providing the service that they're used to and trained to do. Absolutely. So, and that's... in Unfortunately, that has happened to me where I have caved and it never turned out bad, but it's just one of those feelings that you get that you're just like, "Ugh, I could
1: have yep. done this yep. better. You know, that's such a great point because you pretty much risk quality. You risk the the quality of your event. And this kind of touches on something that I taught last night in my boot camp. I was talking about how referrals aren't free. Any referral that you give out to, you know, a potential photographer or caterer, et cetera, it's not free. It actually costs something. And I think the same thing can be said about your process and your workflow. Your workflow is there for a reason and it costs something. Whenever you deviate from that, you run the risk of, diluting your reputation, diluting your brand, you know, affecting the quality of what it is that you provide. So it's very important to be mindful of those type of things because if not, it becomes a free for all. And at that point, honestly, I feel like when you start taking directives from your client and you aren't doing what you told them you were going to do, it opens yourself up for complaints. It opens yourself up for Refund requests, and it makes you actually look like the hired help. You are no longer a professional. You are just the person who's there to do their bidding and handle their DIY stuff, or to follow yeah. them around and go here and go there. You're no longer the expert in the situation. You are just another set of hands, and you know that nobody wants to feel like that. That's we're not anybody's girl Friday. We're actually professionals who, you know, spend thousands of dollars on our education we you know we hone our craft we always remain inspired and we try to get better and we always work on our logistics and training our teams to make every day for couples absolutely amazing and I, I get so sad when I see wedding planners doing this because it's like you, you're messing up your brand you may think that it's just this one time but people always talk that's another thing I talked about in my class last night I said you know Words have feet and can walk, but gossip has wings and can fly. The yeah. last thing you want is for your name to be out in the atmosphere about something that you didn't do, or something that you did wrong, or something that didn't show—you know, something didn't show up—and. Work. Our community is so small in any area that we're in. The wedding community is very small and it's very intricate, but word gets around very fast. If you do something great, yes, people will talk, but if you do something wrong, that is going to fly all over the place. And you can see your brand dry up, your referrals dry up, and it can take a long time to come from that, come back from that. So you have to ask yourself if caving or making this one concession to this client is worth losing maybe 10 more down the line or making it harder for your team down the line or you know making it harder for you to work with caterers or photographers down the line a majority of the time it's not it really isn't worth it no
0: no it's really not so with with services and setting service expectations and letting them know how we work comes setting up the cert- the expectations for the event, right? So yes. when, from what their budget can do to <laughs> what, you're an island, so what you can get to an island. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you set expectations for their events, for the end product?
1: So we, we set those before they even book us. It has always been... Um, my thought, my school of thought that you should always teach your client and make your client better, even if they don't end up becoming your client. That potential client could send a referral your way for somebody else. They could speak very highly of you to a vendor you've never worked with before that may cause them to communicate with you. So I I am a huge proponent of making your client better. And in doing so, we always provide Two extra sheets in our proposals. We provide a budget sheet, and we provide an allocated cost sheet. And during the conversation that we have before drawing up a proposal, I always ask the clients, "What is your financial comfort zone?" I try not to say budget because then they get all tense. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what's your financial comfort zone? Where can we where can we say? Do you want to give me a range? Do you have a number? And of course, you may always get that client that says, "Oh, we don't have a budget." And those are my favorite because I'm like, "Oh, awesome. So if I say 90,000, are we okay?" And she's like, "Oh, no, absolutely not." Okay, so then we have a budget. We definitely have a budget. So then you have a figure to kind of whittle down from. So once we have already proposed, we work on the first portion of our proposal and it sets out our services and outlines our services and our obligations. We provide a budget based on the financial comfort zone that they gave us. And I expressed to them that this is not me telling you, you can have the wedding that you want for this number. This is me telling you that if you want to spend this number, this is how much you can spend on catering. This is how much you can spend on your cake. This is how much you can spend on you know, your bar services. So they have an idea as to what this means. And it means a lot more coming from me because I'm a wedding planner mm-hmm. and I do this all the time versus them plugging in a number in a wedding planning website like The Knot or Wedding Wire right. because yeah. they know I do this. So they take what I give them to heed very, very carefully. So then I provide the second sheet and they get this all at once, but it's the allocated cost sheet. So now that they know how much they can spend and what they can't go over if they wanna stay on target, the allocated cost sheet helps them figure out if that number is realistic. I let them, I don't give any definite prices, but I let them know, this is how much a typical bouquet costs. This is how much a typical shivari costs. This is how much a ghost chair costs. And I just run down a list of few, a few things that I know That clients normally want or that they look at or that's on their pinterest board so that way they can say wow the budget that i've set isn't really realistic to get the things that i want or perfect we're right on target it doesn't cost me to do that it doesn't cost me anything i'm not giving away any trade secrets or anything like that but i am endearing myself to the couple because i want to make them better i am teaching them something i haven't charged them anything i haven't um obligated them to me at all in doing so. Again, it's all about me making them better. And like you said, setting up those expectations ahead of time. So once they receive that, then there may be some talk of, oh, well, we're going to lower our guest list, or we're going to increase the budget, or we're going to keep it as is. And we'll just make a, you know, we'll make accommodations somewhere else. We, we won't get a cinematographer. We'll, we'll put that money where the photographer is or whatever, but it's more or less, I, oh my My daughter came in once, Fiorella, and she said, mom, did you go to uh, a formal business school? And I said, no. <laughs> she said, well, how did you know how to be a business owner? And I said, pretty much from um, hip hop lyrics. And uh. <laughs> so <laughs> Jay-Z once said, you know, <laughs> women lie, men lie, but numbers don't lie. I am not lying to them when I show them the numbers. It is not me saying you can't have this wedding or even worse, what they dread hearing. You can't afford this wedding. You can't afford your budget. The numbers speak for themselves. So it's not me saying it. It, It's them coming to that realization themselves. And again, it's not me saying you need to add more money or this is not going to work. You need to drop some of those guests. They come to that realization all on their own so i think that that's very important and i love doing that i teach my um my mentees to do that as well provide something with your proposal that lets them know off the bat about where their expectations should be with the money that they're going to spend i also let uh clients know that i'm not groupon i will never ever ever go to another vendor and say hey, can you give my clients a 50% discount or can you give them this type of discount or can you throw this in for free? I would never want another vendor to do that for me. I know all of my vendors. I know their spouses. I know their children. So when I feel like I'm being asked that, I'm asking them not to feed their kids. I'm asking them not to have a dinner with their husband or with their wife. So whatever concession that a vendor gives is definitely up to them. I will help them negotiate the best deal, but I will never ever ask or promise a discount to my clients. So I make sure that I set that up as well.
0: You know, I've had just in this last point that you made, I've had two clients last year that, um, booked with me, but in their Mm -hmm. inquiry meeting, in the meeting where we're getting to know each other, Mm -hmm. they asked if that was part of our service that in hiring me, where they guaranteed discounted services to somebody else. And I said the same thing. I said, I'm in a small town. Mm -hmm. We're in a small industry. And if you had a friend that you worked with, and all they did was come to you for discounted stuff, Yep. which basically mean meant that they were asking you for money would you still work with them and mm-hmm. they said no i said it works the same way as a business exactly. it's the same reason why when we cuz we also do events so when we do events we don't re- we don't fundraise so right. if it's an event that requires sponsorships we're not the fin- fundraiser calling for money mm-hmm. my job i i don't want to be the person that calls their friends for money. I am not that person, I will never be, and they respect that.
1: And you know, I think that's such a great way to spin it and to communicate it with clients. Like if your boss came in and asked you to work for 25% less today, but still do do the same job, would you do it? Absolutely not, and people feel like that they're being nickel and dimed with weddings. And I can understand that, but I don't think that they get how much work goes into a wedding and especially when you want to be fully present and you want to give your all I can only do that for one wedding a weekend you know for me personally and depending on the scope of the wedding I may need my entire team there so I I price myself accordingly to know how many weddings I want to take each year how many of my staff I'm going to have to bring with me so you asking me to give a discount or wanting me to ask the DJ to give a discount, I'm all for it. But I I tell them, absolutely, we can get a discount or we can lower this price, but what would you like to give up? Do you wanna give up the cocktail hour? Do you want to give up the lighting, the dance floor lighting? What would you like to give up? Because it's not just a free for all. It's not, I I don't know if clients are still like this, but they're like, oh, well, we could get this wedding published or I have so many friends who are getting married that doesn't do anything for vendors. It really doesn't, of course we we would love to be featured, we would love to have referral passed along, but that is not going to be a prerequisite into how I price, you know, your services at all. So I don't like that and I don't like how um, some clients will hold a review over a wedding professional's head to get things that they want either, but that's another podcast for another day. Oh my goodness. (laughs)
0: <laughs> it's a whole other conversation. You're so right. Oh my gosh. So, is there anything that we have missed in regards to setting expectations?
1: Um, the only thing that I can say, we we've touched on why the workflow is so important. I think it's it's super awesome to do check ins with your clients. If you don't use a service like Isle Planner or Planning Pod or Basecamp or whatever, make sure that you're providing your client with a checklist as to where they should be in their planning at any specific time and where you should be um, with their planning. So they know what's going on and when to um anticipate things. So when in our welcome guide, we actually tell our clients. If you have hired us for management, then we start working with you 30 days prior. If you have hired us for design, we start design six months prior. If you have hired us for uh, vendor matchmaking, then we will start that, you know, within so many amount of weeks post-booking. I think that really helps with the expectations, too, but it also helps combat any questions from family and friends who could make a couple feel like they've made an inadequate choice or that their planning isn't up to par or they're behind. That's where a lot of, I see a lot of stress come from with clients, but they also get it from other vendors too. I do hate to say it. Like we have one photographer that is like, I know it's six months prior to the wedding, but do you have a timeline? And I'm like, do you know how many weddings I have between (laughs) now? And and her wedding? No, I don't have a timeline. Do like, you know how many times a timeline can change within 30 days? Exactly. Exa- so on that same token, I really feel like you need to set your vendor expectations too, just to make sure everybody stays in their lane and that they're not going all over the place and they're not telling your client about your process or about what you should be doing. If you've never worked with a vendor before and you get a client that either comes with vendors or throughout the planning process, you know, they hire new vendors you haven't worked with. We always send out an introductory email that's kind of similar to the, um, how you'll work with us. Welcome guide. And it just explains what our responsibilities are, what our duties are, how we'll work in that capacity and when we'll do things. So we let them know you're not getting a timeline before 30 days. You're just not because yeah. like you, so many things can change. Bridesmaids drop out, uh, you know, people have passed away. Things totally change, you know, family dynamics change. So that means there's not going to be any dances. Even down to
0: transportation, it, the transportation can change.
1: And if you move up to exactly. a bigger vehicle, it takes longer to get places. Exactly, exactly. So we let them know, you know, we do design, but we won't do that until this date, and we do this and we won't do that until this date is that if there's anything else that you need that we can assist with, please let us know. So that way they come to us with any concerns rather than going to the client and saying, we need this, or your wedding planner should do this. I find that to be highly un- unacceptable. It's unprofessional,
0: to be honest. Completely, completely, completely. And I would
1: never do that to another vendor. No. So it does irritate me when that does happen to me or to other wedding planners, because at the end of the day, you know, you're kind of eroding at the confidence that a client has in the person that they've chosen to lead their entire event. And while a photographer is in charge of documenting that day and telling the, the visual love story and the caterer is responsible for providing the delicious fare, of the day and the entertainment is there to provide music and the soundtrack of that love story. Those are all one thing. They get to show up and do one thing. The planner gets to show up and worry about everybody. She has to make sure everything is there. So that's why I don't really appreciate any erosion and confidence in the wedding planner done by anybody.
0: It's, I I mean, you said it all. I have no
1: other (laughs) words to
0: add because it's, it's so true. It's, um, we've had a couple of, you know, just poor vendors that just like to nitpick at stuff and Mm -hmm. like to Mm -hmm. find something to bring us down.
1: Yep. 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 It definitely, but you just,
0: I I just feel like you just have to, it's almost like a hit to the ego and you just swallow it and you keep going. Yep. And you move on because in the end the wedding's going to be amazing or the mm-hmm. event and it's you, you just have to handle it like a pro and I tell this to the people that I'm currently training to is whether it's a client or it's a vendor if they talk to you poorly you handle it with confidence mhm you stand up for what we have trained you to do and you keep going
1: absolutely Absolutely. It's just, it'll, it'll fade into the background. It'll just be one more day. If you let it get so big that it totally consumes you, then you're off your game. You know what I mean? It's like one of those things to how you said it, when you cave, it can definitely affect the quality of the event. And I tell my team all the time, tag yourself out. If you need to, I have had to tag myself out several times because people have made you know, ridiculous comments while I've been around or to me and my assistants come and they say, I'm tagging you out. You go, you know, <laughs> you go set up votives. I'll handle <laughs> your face right now because this whole place is going to blow up. You're out. You're out. You're benched. Yeah. So yeah, definitely make sure you can tag yourself out.
0: That's amazing. amazing. With, with setting vendor expectations, do you email them throughout the planning process? For example, say, I, I, I think the, the wedding management, which is what people call day off coordinator, which if mm-hmm. you're still calling it a day off coordinator, please stop.
1: Yes, please. Please, <laughs>
0: please. Because
1: um, that's super unrealistic.
0: <laughs> yes, so wedding management package, which starts 30 days prior, um, when do you email those, those vendors?
1: So it all depends on when we're hired. For us, being in a, a destination wedding market, we have a lot of, of clients who feel like they can handle all the planning themselves and they just want somebody to tie up the loose ends. And that's fine. So they'll hire us pretty early. They may get us a year in advance. They may get us six to nine months in advance as soon as they hire us we let we always ask them who's on their vendor team and we email them immediately so that they know that you know there is somebody that's going to be there on the day of. We don't wait until the 30 days prior. We do let them know that we're going to touch base 30 days prior, but we do let them know that there is going to be you know a member of our team handling that event and if they have any questions, they should bring it to us. Um a majority of the time when clients tell our vendors here that you know they have us for management they're like oh my god you're going to be so fine you're going to be a mate like <laughs> our vendors they love our timelines you know they love how we treat them and how we handle them so a lot of them are like oh thank god you know we're so happy that you got her but again again since we're destination we get a lot of outside vendors too so we make sure that you know, I don't know what other people do in other markets. Like, I know I blew your hair back when I told you about our four-hour wedding yes. reception. So I don't know what other people do in other markets, but I know what we do here. And I just want to make that clear to people when um, when we find out who the client is booked. So we, we definitely touch base with them as soon as the client books and let them know we'll touch base again with more details 30 days prior.
0: That's amazing. Terika. Thank you so much for your time today.
1: Thank you you for having me. I appreciate it. Yes.
0: And now it's my favorite time because this is when you get to
1: shameless plug yourself. (laughs) I get to shame. Okay. Well, let's see. What (laughs) do I have going (laughs) on? I have no albums dropping. Uh, (laughs) I'm not in any movies. So let's see. I will be, um, I'll be launching another iteration of my boot camp very, very soon, probably at the end of this month or the very beginning of um, February, I started the Run the World boot uh late last year. And it has been absolutely amazing. It's a six week program that takes your brand from meh to, <laughs> oh my God, we have to book her. And it talks about some of the strategies that you and I have talked about today but it's a guided process. It's group coaching. So you get to work with some of the other members of the boot camp. We have weekly check-in calls and weekly sessions and there's lots of success kits. And, you know, you pretty much get to, you get to benefit from all of my mistakes, I guess you could say, and what it took for me to get here 14 years later. So you don't have to make those same mistakes, but you can still get the same sort of success and rewards that I've been able to, um, graciously enjoy so that's my shameless plug if you are interested you can check it out at terricaskags.com or you can follow me on at cocktail terica on instagram and also on facebook there will be lots of information all over the place about it
0: follow her she's amazing she's stylish yeah. and she knows what she's doing thank you you're Thanks. welcome i still remember you know when you talked about um run the world and yeah It's, it's really, and I, what I really liked, two things that I really loved about you. Um, The first quote that I remember was, it's not so much running the entire world, but running your world. Exactly. And number two, which I still tell myself every day, what everybody else (laughs) thinks about you is Is none none of your your business.
1: None of your business. That's absolutely right. Yes. None of your business. And
0: I was like, (laughs) she needs to be my friend.
1: (laughs) 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 <laughs> that is absolutely right. That's none of your business. You exactly. keep on. Keeping on. Absolutely. Exactly. Absolutely.
0: You do you. You do best what's for best for what best what what is best for you, your family and your business.
1: Done. Absolutely because that's yeah. all that matters. Yeah. All that matters.
0: Thank you so much. You have a Thank great you. day
1: Thank and you, an amazing you wedding season. Thank you you too. Bye guys. Bye.